Welcome to the first episode of the Titans Time Podcast with your co-hosts Tyler and Tanner Staggs. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. What about yourself? I'm doing good. Excited to get into the first episode. We've got a variety of different topics to cover today. Uh, to open up, we're going to be talking about the Titans finalizing their coaching staff. Um, they've just hired uh, Anthony Midget and most recently Jim Hazlitt to be the linebackers coach. Um, then we're going to cover the upcoming free agency for the Titans, um, who they can possibly re-sign or franchise tag and what that is going to do to their cap space and then what that's going to entail for the free agency period, who they might consign out of free agency and also uh, some possible destinations for Marcus Mariota. And then to end the show, we're going to have our top five moments from last season, of course, making it to the AFC Championship. It was a very good playoff run, uh, and who would have guessed it after a 2-4 and four start to the season? So let's get into it. Uh, the Titans, they've hired Anthony Midget. He coached with Mike Vrabel on his defense in Houston. I think that this is a pretty good hire. He brought in a guy that knows his system. They're going to try not to change too many things from last season. Obviously, their defense was working very well, um, and then they brought in Jim Hazlitt, who uh, coached Mike Vrabel his rookie year in Pittsburgh. And this is what Mike Vrabel had to say about Jim Hazlitt. I have known Jim since my rookie season at Pittsburgh and was impressed with how he taught and developed. Uh, I think that says a lot about what he thinks about Jim Hazlitt and what he can bring to some of the young players on this Titans defense. I agree with you there. You know, Jim Hazlitt, I was looking over some of the stuff about him. Uh, you know, I've seen what you've seen about how Vrabel said that he's a good developer of these young players. Uh, Vrabel got to experience that his first year in the league in Pittsburgh. i done some looking on that, and when he was the defensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, all three seasons, the defense has finished in the top 12 in yards allowed, you know, per game. So, you know, that's something to look forward to there. Also, another thing that I found is in 2000 his first year as the Saints head coach he ended up winning the AP coach of the year he improved the Saints from a 3 and 13 season in the previous year to 10 6 wow. so I'm really looking forward to see how these guys uh, come together you know like you said it's two guys that he knows uh, very well um, and you know like you said basically going to try and keep the defense go in the same route it was going last year and not yeah, bring in any nice new faces. It's nice to see faces. some familiar faces in the locker room. Uh, I do have a couple of things on uh, Jim Hazlitt's ability to develop players. Um, he was the defensive coordinator in Washington for, I think, three seasons, uh, possibly longer than that. His defense is ranked anywhere from 13 to 31st in yards allowed and from 21st to 30th in points. Now, that's not great, but keep in mind, he didn't have a lot of talent in Washington when he came in. Um, of course, he did have Brian Arakpo. Um, one guy that I really do want to touch on, though, is in 2010, he gets a fourth-round draft pick uh, by the name of Perry Riley. Uh, this guy, he doesn't play much his rookie year. He ends up, um, through the 2012 to 2014 season, he turns into a pretty good contributor. Uh, I've got here, he was averaging... 68 solo tackles, 7 tackles for loss, and 3 sacks per season. 
you know, by no means is that, you know, going to win him defensive player of the year or anything, but to take this guy from a fourth rounder and pretty much a non-contributor, his rookie season, which of course players are going to develop from their rookie season to their second, third, fourth seasons. But to take him from that to being, a, you know, a pretty good player uh, on this team, I, I think his stats kind of uh, compare pretty well to Rashawn Evans' stats from this season. Um, so to take him from, you know, a fourth-round draft pick to that for contributing several seasons uh, says a lot about his development skills. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do with some of these younger guys like Jayon Brown, who we know is with the Titans at least for this next season. Now let's talk about some guys who may or may not be with the Titans this next upcoming season. All right. Uh, obviously upcoming, we've got Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. That is probably the single biggest part of this offseason for the Titans. Obviously, I mean, they were the offense. Um, Ryan Tannehill coming in uh, at halftime of the Broncos game just completely transformed our season. Um, obviously not in that game. We ended up getting shut out in that game. But after that, it just it looked like a completely different team and a completely different offense. I think the Titans can re-sign Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Logan Ryan, and Jack Conklin. Yeah, just looking at the uh, projected you know, salary cap for the Titans this next year, we're looking at anywhere between $50 million to $55 million. Um, For me, my main guys that I'm wanting to get back for sure is Derrick Henry, and I would like to have Tannehill back at least for one to two more years uh, just to see, make sure this past year wasn't just some kind of fluke. Um, so you are a fan of de- signing Derrick Henry to a long-term contract? I am definitely a fan of signing Derrick Henry to a I long-term contract. you think they got to pay him? I, I think they have to pay Derrick Henry. I would also like to see him bring back Logan Ryan. But as for Conklin, that is, to me, that's where things get interesting because it all depends on if the Titans make any more moves to possibly have some more salary cap space because a guy like Conklin, you're probably looking at teams willing to pay him around $15 million. So that, that could really... True. I think if they wanted to sacrifice somebody, in my opinion, I would want it to be Logan Ryan just because, personally, I think there's already somebody on their roster that can take his spot. Amani Hooker, of course, he... Um, played slot cornerback in college at Iowa. Uh, I think he could step into that role. Uh, there may be a couple bumps and bruises here or there, but I think that eventually, you know, that could be a spot that he could take over. So I think that Logan Ryan is somebody that they might could sacrifice this offseason just to have a little bit more cap, spa- cap space, maybe move on from him. I think that Jack Conklin is a guy that you have to sign back just because it is it's so hard to – find a good tackle in the NFL nowadays and once you have a core group of offensive linemen that are working well together I mean it takes a while for these guys to mesh and to start really really working together uh, to form a good offensive line so once you get that I feel like you need to do whatever you can to keep those guys together that is a uh, very good point there Um, you know it is. It can be very tricky to find good linemen that mesh with your other linemen. Uh, 
and, you know, like you say, build up that trust with each other and get that core group. One thing to think about, though, is the Titans could end up putting the transition tag on Conklin. And if a team comes along and decides that they want to pay him just a ridiculous amount of money, like, say, in the 18 to 20 million range, then the Titans could tell him, okay, you can sign him to that, but we're fixing to get some draft assets out of this. That's true. So what are you thinking for, like, uh, contracts for Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill? Well, for Derrick Henry, um, I think that they should sign him for something around four years at $14 million a year. I think that you could probably have two to three of those guaranteed. That way, if he's not being as productive in those last two years, you know, you can let him go without having a huge cap hit. Um, for Ryan Tannehill, I would like to get him to a three-year deal at about twenty-four to twenty-five million a year, with you know two of those guaranteed. I think that's going to come out to around like seventy-five million without the signing bonus. Um, so probably do about fifty of that uh, guaranteed. We're not far off on uh, what we're thinking with these two guys. For me, I believe that the Titans need to lock down Derrick Henry for the next five years. I think they need to give him a five-year contract that comes out to about $14 million a year. Uh, of course, not counting signing bonuses or anything like that. Um, just his production speaks for itself. Over the past couple years, the more carries he's gotten, the more his yards for the season have bumped up. Obviously. And, right, <laughs> but this guy is not your average running back. He has been carrying the ball so much since high school, college, and the more he carries the ball, the stronger he gets. That is true. Uh, he did have a little bit of a couple of seasons, obviously there with DeMarco Murray, uh, where he didn't take on as much of a workload. I think in the long run, that's actually going to pay off for him because if you look at his first, I forget how many seasons, compared to Eddie George, he has significantly less carries. So I think that's something that could benefit him in the long run. It is something that can benefit him in the long run, but at the same time, this guy's the type of running back that... He's a different type of running back. I mean, right. we haven't seen anything like this guy. He's he's a monster. Right, but obviously the more carries a running back gets, um, most running backs wear down. Like I said, as the game goes on, he gets stronger. If you limit his carries, his production isn't the same because he's not able to beat he's on just those, a workhorse. He's not able to beat on the linebackers and defensive backs if you really limit him. Uh, he's just a physical freak, really, when it comes to it. I can't think of any other running backs in the league right now that have his size, and his speed is real deceptive because when he's finally able to get outside and hit that full stride, he doesn't look like he's moving that fast, but you know he's outrunning some of these safeties. And cornerbacks. What did he run? Like a four, 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 five. I believe it was in the four, 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 five range. Yeah. Now, I mean that's not dangerously fast. You know, you don't have a CJ two K, but right. But CJ two K didn't have. He wasn't six four, two hundred fifty, two hundred sixty pounds. That's true. Now your point for uh, Tannehill. Uh, again, I'm not far off from you on this. I'm thinking they need to go about on a two-year deal and, you know, $48 million 
So, you know, $24 million a year. If it come down to it, because just, you know, quick math on this, if the Titans have $50 million in cap, you're looking at $38 million being taken up just between these two if they were to sign them to these deals that we're talking about. Yeah. Who would you franchise tag? If I had to franchise tag someone, um, I think I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill just because – and I don't want them to have to franchise tag – Tannehill or Henry just because with the amount of production that they gave us last season and with how much the fans love these guys I just I feel like it's kind of a slap in the face like just pay these guys give them a contract uh if you have to do anything then like you said give Jack Conklin the transition tag uh and get the compensation for a couple of draft picks if somebody were to offer him big money now, how are they going to get to the, this point where they where they can pay all of these guys, Jack Conklin, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry? Um, I've got a few points here. They could restructure some contracts with Malcolm Butler and Taylor Lewan. Right now, uh, Malcolm Butler's got a 13.38 cap hit million. Uh, Taylor Lewan's got $18.2 million cap hit, which when I saw that, it just blew my mind. I mean, that is uh, that's a lot of money to pay what is he 30 year old tackle i mean he's getting close to 30 years old um i think that they they could cut Dion lewis um that's going to clear about four million in cap uh, they could cut daquan jones just because i mean i didn't see that much production from daquan jones last season uh that's going to clear seven million obviously i would like to keep cameron wake just because when he's healthy i think he he brings some needed help to the edge rushers but if they happen to cut him, it would clear about five and a half million. If they do keep him, I think some restructuring needs to go on there too. And obviously, they could cut Delaney Walker. Uh, he's, I think he's done. I don't think he's going to play football again. I'm not sure how much that would clear up. Uh, do you have it over there? If they cut Delaney Walker, they'd be gaining about six point four million. Wow. In cap, um, like you, I have a couple of the same guys that you have. I have them either trading or, you know, I think they need to trade or release Deion Lewis. My only knock on Cameron Wake is while, yes, he can help as far as the edge rushing goes, like you said, if they release him, they're gaining $5.5 in cap room there. And the guy's 38 years old. He's oh, Yeah, he's old as hell. I mean, so I don't know if he can withstand a full season. Well, I mean, he, and that's what brings me to uh, agreeing with you about cutting Delaney Walker. The last two seasons, he's been out with injury. Yeah, his time's he, up. He's he's 35 years old. I've loved having him here the past couple years when he's been healthy. He's really brought a spark to the Titans' offense, but I think it's time to move on from him. I agree with you on Daquan Jones. Um, just didn't see too much from him that makes me want to keep him on this roster. Another guy I have for you is... Ryan Suckup. He is 33. If they release Suckup, they would gain two more million in cap. If you look at the upcoming free agents for kickers, there's a couple of guys in there that they could target that I feel like not only have more leg strength than Suckup, but also can be more accurate than he was this past year. And Suckup's a great kicker, and by no means is. What did you say, 33? 33. 
by no means is that old for a kicker. I mean, you Adam Vinatieri, you know, I mean, but kickers can kick till they're, you know, 40, 45. Well, they don't take hits. But the problem with him is his leg injury. They took him off IR in the middle of the season. It ended up costing us. I mean, he missed several kicks. Greg Joseph, the guy that they've got on their roster right now, he's not – I mean, he made his one attempt, you know, in the AFC Championship game. So – they could end up keeping that guy, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't. I don't think that Suckup needs to be there next season. Uh, I just have too many concerns with that leg injury. Right, and if the Titans were to make all of these moves, I have it figured up to where they could end up increasing their salary cap from, you know, roughly fifty million to anywhere between seventy three million and seventy nine million. So then you're talking about not having any problem at all given Derrick Henry the contract he deserves, Tannehill the contract he deserves. In my notes, I have them signing Henry, Tannehill, and Logan Ryan. For Logan Ryan, I feel like they would just need to do a two-year deal where this past season he made $9.5 million. Give him $10 million a year, and that just brings back your secondary, someone who is familiar with the system, Malcolm Butler will be back this next season. Logan Ryan was really doing a lot better when he was in that slot cornerback position when Malcolm Butler was healthy. I'm a little more against that just because I think that you could go into the draft and get a guy in like a, you know, possibly the first round if they can address their edge rush needs in free agency, but especially in the second or third round, just get a guy that's a little bit younger. Uh, still a little more athletic, got a little more speed to him. Maybe Diggs from Alabama? The only way I could see that happening is if they, like I said, they address their edge rush needs in free agency and pick that guy up in their in the first round. But you need a guy that can keep up with Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, because I, just, I don't see any way that they can beat the Chiefs next season without you know, somebody there that can keep up with those guys. Um, you know, with all of these moves, if they were to release all of these guys, sign Henry and Tannehill to these contracts, and even signing Logan Ryan to the contract that I threw out there, that would leave them with about $25.7 million, roughly, roughly, to pursue an edge rusher. And I believe that would be enough money to sign any of these top edge rushers that are coming up in this next free agency. Khalil Mack's making $24 million a year, I believe. So, obviously, you want to leave a little bit of space there because there are some guys um, like Correa and even Tremaine Brock, uh, the cornerback that they brought in late in the season. He he contributed some really good plays to the secondary. Uh, Even uh, Michael Pruitt, possibly bringing him back. You know, I don't know how – the whole tight end situation is going to play out, obviously, with him signing uh, Cole Herdman, who to me seems more like a run-blocking tight end. He's not very fast. He's Yeah, I was looking. Of course, when the Titans signed him, I immediately looked him up to see about him. You know, he's a 6'4 tight end, uh, played at Purdue. He's been signed to a couple practice squads, I think. I don't think he's ever made a regular season roster. He played in the preseason. I believe it was with the Ravens. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I believe that's correct. I think you're right. You know, like you said, he's just not that fast. And even looking back at his production at Purdue, I think his best season, he had like 
thirty something catches, but his amount of yards and everything were not real big. And he may have only—I think he had less than five touchdowns in that season. And you know, at his pro day, he ran a five flat forty. So yeah. he's definitely not a speedster. Uh, he would have to be a run blocking tight end, which wouldn't be bad. Give somebody for Derrick Henry to run behind. That is true. Uh, now we keep talking about these edge rushers that the Titans might go yeah, before after. Before we move into uh, Tom Brady and Marcus Mariota, who do you think they might could pursue? Well, I have about four different guys that I would really love to see the Titans go after. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, Bud Dupree. No, I, don't, I don't want Jadavion Clowney. Shaq Barrett and Dante Fowler. Uh, now hear me out on Clowney here I I don't want him I know you don't want him Uh, the guy's attitude can be questionable at times and he's injury prone this past season he did only have three sacks but he was able he was able to pressure the quarterback quite a bit when he was on the field Um, he had four forced fumbles two of them he recovered and one was for a touchdown about 22% 22% of his tackles for the season went for a loss, which, you know, is good for stopping the run stat you broke out there. Well, you know, I try, I try. Um, the next one, Bud Dupree. The guy had I like a, Bud Dupree. He had 11 and a half sacks this past season. Uh, Almost a, four times Clowney, because Clowney was sitting on the sideline. Injured. Uh, he finished with 68 tackles, 16 for a loss. So about a quarter of his tackles went for a loss. You know, a little bit higher than uh, Jadavion Clowney there. A guy that they could probably get a little bit better price on. He also well. had four forced fumbles. Two of which he recovered. And, uh, you know, they probably could get a better price on him just because he hasn't seen this much production since... Well, he hasn't while he's been in the NFL. You know, this is um, this is his first season where he's had over 10 sacks. I think in previous seasons he's been around five. Uh, I think that you can attribute a lot of that to him being across from T.J. Watt. I think he could be a good piece to put across from Harold, Harold Landry. Uh, I'm a big Harold Landry fan. I think that he needs some help on that other side because, I mean, he gets after it. You know, he gets after the quarterback really well, quick. He's athletic. And I, just, I to me, Dupree is my top guy to go after just because I think he would be a good guy to put on that other side. Um, I like that you said Shaq Barrett. Yeah, Shaq Barrett definitely you know, stepped things up this past season. The guy led the league in sacks, ended up with 19 and a half. To add to that, you're looking about a third of his tackles that he had were tackles for loss. And he added six forced fumbles in with that. The only thing about Shaq Barrett is he is a restricted free agent. Where someone like Clowney is unrestricted. You know, the the Seahawks traded for him, I believe it was last year. Yeah. So they cannot put the franchise tag on him. And he's uh, he's already come out and said he doesn't want to be franchise tagged. Right. Uh, Shaq Barrett's a guy that the Bucks could end up franchise tagging just to hold on to him if they have to. I'm not sure about Bud Dupree, if he would be unrestricted or restricted. Another guy to look at, though, is Dante Fowler. 
He also finished the season with 11 and a half sacks last year. That put him, you know, tied for ninth in the league. Right there and with Bud Dupree. With Bud Dupree. Downside to Fowler, you know, we were talking about the their percent of tackles for a loss compared to their total tackles for the season. Dante Fowler, only about 10% of his tackles last year went for a loss. He finished the season with 58 tackles, and six of them were for a loss. He did have two forced fumbles, one of which he recovered for a touchdown. My next question to you is, do the Titans try to go after an edge rusher from one of their division rivals? Yannick Ngakwe. He, this guy's a monster. Uh, I've hated seeing him play for the Jaguars. I think he's hated seeing himself play for the Jaguars because it's it's awful. They don't even want to be in Jacksonville. Who doesn't hate playing for the Jaguars? They they're playing two games in London this next year. They're they're trying to get out of Jacksonville. I think um, the owner says it's it's strictly because of money, but I th- I don't think it's gonna pay off for him in the long run i think it's going to really piss off the fans in jacksonville and they're going to stop going to the games uh i mean they can respond one of two ways they can either you know fill the stadium up every game or they can stop going to the games and i just i think it's going to be the latter just because i wouldn't pay to go watch the jaguars i paid to go watch the titans whoop the jaguars ass which was awesome now let me ask you would this. be a lot more awesome with Yannick Ngakwe. If the Jaguars were to franchise tag him, should the Titans maybe give up some assets to no, get don't, him? No, don't or... give up any draft picks. Which I'm not even sure if they can offer him a contract on a franchise tag. Is that only the transition? Yes, only the transition tag. If a team franchise tags a quarterback, you can't negotiate I, with I them. believe you cannot negotiate with them. Let's go ahead and move on to somebody that's not going to be in Tennessee next year. Just touch on it real quick. Uh, where where do you think Mariota could go? I have a couple different teams that I could see uh, Mariota ending up with. The Chargers, Tampa Bay, the Dolphins, the Bears, and last but not least, I think there is a slight chance he could be back with the Titans next year. No, there's not a, even a slight chance. Never say never. I don't see it. Why? Because he's a quarterback that already knows the system. And okay, but he's not going to play, so what does it matter? What happens if Tannehill goes down with injury? I mean, that could happen, but I don't think that Mariota wants to sit behind Tannehill and wait for something like that to happen. Just watching Mariota when he lost the job to Tannehill, you know, he gave them more support, kept supporting the team. You know, you never heard him come out and say anything bad about it, wanting to be Oh, yeah, he's, he's a great guy, um, and – but I, I think just a, just a little bit, and you could see a little frustration in him. I don't think he wants to sit for another year. I think he wants to go somewhere where he has a chance to be the starter. Um, I could be wrong. You- well, an interesting point here is for two of the teams that I mentioned, if he goes to Tampa Bay, he could possibly take the starting job from the guy who was drafted a pick before him uh, back in 2015, you know, Jameis Winston. Also, what if he goes to the Dolphins, Tannehill's former team, and takes over the starting job there? Uh, what I've got is the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, just because, you know, Big Ben, he's almost finished. And I don't have any faith in either one of their backup quarterbacks. I just don't think they're very good. Um, what I think is interesting is uh, the Bears 
could possibly bring him in just to kind of push Mitch Trubisky, make a little bit of a quarterback controversy there, uh, see how Trubisky responds to it. If he doesn't respond well, start Mariota. If he does respond well, then you look like an amazing GM for bringing in Mariota and pushing Trubisky to the next level. A place that he would fit a lot better is the Chargers. I they agree need with that. a consistent QB, especially after. I mean, I don't think Philip Rivers is coming back. They have a variety of weapons. It just seems like a good fit. You know, he would look good in a Chargers jersey. And, you know, like I said, just a variety of weapons Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Melvin Gordon. Uh, if they happen to bring back Eckler, it's. I mean, it's endless opportunities of guys that he can throw to. I think he's going to end up in one of those places, possibly as a starter, possibly not. But, you know, we'll see. Um, lastly, right before we end the show, we've got the top five moments from last season. Obviously, like I said, it was a great season, and there were a lot of amazing moments. Uh, one moment that was not amazing is after they started off the season two and four. I had lost all hope. I'll I'll be the first to admit it. I lost all hope. I, you know, there's a few games that I didn't even watch just because I was so pissed off. Let's highlight some of the better moments. Uh, for me, my number five moment is the Jaguars game. And I mostly just had to put this in there because just that's the game that I went to. Uh, it was a great atmosphere. Obviously, Derrick Henry went off that game. Just, just hearing the crowd chanting Henry. Uh, it was amazing. And I... It was right after the Chiefs game. I really just think that that whole – I just think that those two games really started the role that the Titans went on right before the playoffs. My number five moment, uh, funny you mentioned that Chiefs game in week 10 because my number five moment is them blocking the Chiefs' game-tying field goal at the end of regulation. Um, You know, that was a back-and-forth game. And the Titans, even when they were down – Never gave up on running the ball with Henry. Still let him... Which is where they went wrong in the playoffs. Exactly. I I completely agree. They should have kept feeding the beast. But they just kept playing their game. And then for their special teams to come up so big in those final moments. I mean... And, you know, block that kick. I feel like that right there was the turning point in the season. I think you're exactly right. And that's why I've got that as my number four moment, uh, beating the Chiefs in the regular season. One, because, I mean, we beat the Super Bowl champs in the regular season. Um, Like you said, the fashion that they won in, blocking that game-time field goal. What do you have for number four? My number four is Derrick Henry winning the Russian title. You know, going into the game, he was behind, and the Titans just kept feeding the man the ball. He... Finished with 32 carries for 211 yards, three touchdowns, along with all those yards. And the run to claim the title was he broke free for 53 yards and a touchdown. I see no better way to claim the Russian title than that right there. Exactly. It wasn't one of these, oh, I'm going to go for one yard and get the title and then come out. It It wasn't Chris Johnson's 2,000-yard run. Exactly. It was, no, I'm fixing to... It was a statement. I'm fixing to he take said, this. He said, get the hell out of my way. Uh, let's move on to number three. Uh, for me, it was just being in the AFC Championship. 
of course, since I've been a Titans fan, I haven't seen them make it this far in the playoffs. Um, just the atmosphere that day, you could just feel it. Everybody was ready for a Titans win. And I feel like it just sparked something in our fan base. I think that you're going to see a lot more people involved with the Titans next season. And I think a lot of people are excited about it. And it, it like I said, it just really sparked something in the fan base. And I'm excited to see what that means for next year. I agree with you there. My number three, though, is the opening game of the season. The Browns coming in with all the hype after getting Odell, pairing him with Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield. I mean... Man, they were a disappointment. uh, Well, let's be honest. Before the season started, everybody was jumping on with this team saying, this team is going to be the shit. I was one of those people. I was scared for the, the first game. And then the Titans come out and just slaughtered them. I honestly feel like that is what led to the Browns' piss-poor season. Because, we broke Baker Mayfield. Well, they broke the whole team. They broke all of their confidence, everything. The Titans come out, said, we're not scared of y'all, and just destroyed them. Uh, and with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to number two. For me, number two is taking down the Ravens in the divisional round. Uh, we, Of course, we beat the number one team from the regular season, and it was just an absolute ass-whooping from start to finish. I was There was never a moment in the whole game that I wasn't scared that Lamar Jackson was just going to absolutely break out and you know do what Lamar Jackson does, and they contained him the whole time. Uh, I forget what the final score was, but it was a pretty big margin that we won by. And we were up by a big margin all game. And to me, that was just, I mean, we beat the best team from the regular season. So it was really a statement. It showed that our win in the wild card round wasn't a fluke and that the Titans are the real deal. My number two is beating the Patriots in Foxborough. I mean, you think about it. Come playoff time, everyone hates having to go to Foxborough to play the Patriots. It is one of the toughest places to play in the playoffs. I mean, just the atmosphere up there during playoff time, I think it really breaks down the mental toughness of opposing teams coming in. And that didn't happen with the Titans. You know, they made it a hard-fought game. Of course, in the game on, I believe it was Logan Ryan. Yeah, it was Logan Ryan. So, you know, just to go up there and win that game like they did, of course, I feel like a lot of people thought that the Titans had the team that could match up well and beat the Patriots in the wild card round. So that's why I have to go with that as my number two because... You know, just hearing the talk, there were several people who thought that the Titans could pull that win off. I think you're exactly right about, you know, it it being one of the toughest places to play in the postseason, and that's why I have it as my number one. Um, More specifically, that last interception by Logan Ryan, I think that with that win, the Titans possibly ended a dynasty in Foxborough. My number one uh, is actually your number two. Uh, beating the Ravens in the divisional round. This Ravens team this past year was just dominant 
and record breaking. It it was. No one had an answer for Lamar Jackson. Honestly, I this was the game that I was most nervous about because I did not know how the Titans were going to stop Lamar Jackson. I was nervous until halfway through the fourth quarter. Exactly, just because the guy has done so many things that are just have that wow factor. Yeah. So for them to come into this game, get up like they did, and just just dominate you know, the whole game. Yeah, exactly. They, you know, the Ravens have a good run offense between Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram, and the Titans said, you know, basically just laughed in their face and said, "Yeah, we got got Derrick Henry." And you got to love how, you know, Earl Thomas come out and made the comments of, oh, well, the Patriots, you could just tell they were scared to tackle him. And then... And then Derrick Henry turned him into a little bitch. Well, later in the game, Earl Thomas was Derrick Henry's lead blocker up the sidelines because (laughs) Henry just put his big arm on him and said, you know, listen here, little dude, you're running with me. I've got an honorable mention. Uh, I've got the goal line stand versus the Chargers. I forget what week that was, but... Chargers were at the one-yard line, and, you know, there was a lot of controversy surrounding that whole deal there, that last, you know, just the goal line stand, you know. Um, and to me, that was just a great moment, and it showed a lot of grit from our defense, and that's why I had to throw it in as an honorable mention. My honorable mention is, and it's not just one game, it's Derrick Henry's crazy playoff production. I mean, wild card weekend, he had 34 carries, 182 yards, and a touchdown. Divisional round, 30 carries, 195 yards, pass touchdown to Corey Davis. And so through the first two games, it was record-breaking. He finished with 377 yards, you know, rushing touchdown, passing touchdown. And there is no telling how much more he would have had had the Titans not gone away from him in the second half versus the Chiefs. I believe in the first half he had 16 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. He ended up finishing the game with 19 carries, 69 yards, and that one touchdown. You know, there's no telling if they would have come out with the mentality that they had in the first half and just kept feeding him the ball. We may have been talking about another... 150-yard performance from him. It could have been, and I think you're exactly right. They should have never went away from him in that game. Uh, I know they were down, and they were, you know, kind of tied on time. They were down in Week 10, too, though. That's true. All right, guys, that's all we've got for the first episode of the Titans Time podcast. Uh, We appreciate you guys listening. We hope that you'll tune back in next time. Uh, With the next episode, we're going to both be making our own mock drafts, going over it, and really giving some – detailed analysis of the titans picks uh from the first through the third round we're gonna go over the guys that we think that they could and should get with their first second and third round picks so we hope you guys will tune back in for that episode once again thank you guys for listening and this has been titans time